RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. It seems like only last week we were doing this, weren't we? Mission Log Live, is it? Why, yes, it is. And that would make me John Champion. And that must make me Ken Ray. Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. It is time to spend time with your Star Trek pals. Talking Discovery. This week, it's the eighth episode of Star Trek Discovery, if memory serves. That's the eighth episode of season two, by the way. Joining us this week, it is you. Time for your questions and your comments. Uh, Past few weeks, we've been doing that. Just, you know, saying, hey, why don't you call in and talk about what's going on with us? And um, it seems to have worked out pretty well. So we're continuing that again. We are looking for your questions, your calls, your comments. Do you have questions and thoughts about if memory serves? Well, we would love to hear them. Join our Zoom meeting. You can do that by using the one tap from your smartphone or clicking the link on the Facebook page. The Facebook page, of course, being facebook.com slash mission log pod. Or you can call us the way people used to call into things by picking up the phone and dialing 669-900-6833, 669-900-6833. You do that. You'll be here with us. We'll be talking to you. And it'll be like a thing. Hey, speaking of things, so it's already a thing. We already have people standing by to talk to us, and there's so many people right now already chatting, so let's say hello to them. There's John, and he says, oh, boy, I can't wait. And then there's uh, Tina. She says, yeah, I'm pretty sure we never left Talos 4. And then uh, we got Paul. We got Debbie. We got Karen. We got Chris. Uh, so this raises a ton of questions, which I've learned not to expect answers to. Well, we'll, we'll see what we can do tonight, Chris. Uh, there we got Thomas. We got Barry. We got Narda. Uh, we got James. We got Chuck. Hey, Chuck. We're just talking about Chuck before we came on the air, right, Ken? And then uh, you got John. You got uh, Lieutenant Jay in the house. Nice. Oko. Yeah. Always happy. Yeah. Here. So just so many people saying hello. And um, th- this is cool because uh, this episode, I've just seen so much chatter about it online. Uh, tried to stay away from a lot of opinion about it, but a lot of people chatting and obviously a lot of people here tonight who want to chat as well. So do as Ken suggested, click on that Zoom link or call us at 669-900-6833. Of course, we'd like to thank all of you for checking us out here live on Facebook, or if you catch the video later at youtube.com slash Roddenberry Prod, that's cool too. Or certainly on the audio-only podcast, well, we'd love to have you there too. Wherever you find us, please hit like, please hit share, and let the world know that we'd like everyone to join us here live on Tuesdays to talk Trek. That sounds good, John. Hey, we got some stuff coming up. Should we tell people what's coming up for uh, for the Mission Log crew for the whole yeah. Roddenberry thing going on? Yeah. Let's tell them all the things. So, unfortunately, I had to miss last uh, Thursday's event in Sansar. Um, it was to be, and I guess it was actually the second event at the Roddenberry Theater. And boy, oh boy, do we love that space. We've got something else lined up. Not going to say yet exactly what it is. We're working on a thing. We're working on a thing about which we're excited. We want to make sure everything gets, you know, turned just so. But be sure and circle the 11th of April. That would be Thursday night, April the 11th, uh, for a special event in the Roddenberry Theater in Sansar. If you don't remember what Sansar is, it's a virtual reality platform. You go to sansar.com. You sign up for an account. As long as you're running a computer with Windows 7 or later, sadly, no Macs at this time, or at least not if you're not running boot camp. 
but if you're running Windows 7 or later, you can participate. If you have a headset, either an HTC Vive or an Oculus Rift, well, then you can participate even more. So uh, sometime between now and, let's say, the 10th of April, go to sansar.com and create your account. Then on the 11th of April, plan to join us at the Roddenberry Theater. Um, actually, come to think of it, John, will we be in the Roddenberry Theater or will we meet there and go elsewhere? Well, so that kind of depends because the uh, the event might depend on the space. So watch this space or events.sansar.com and you'll find out exactly where we'll be. But we know the when. Thursday, April 11th at 7 p.m. Pacific. So join us there in sansar.com. And and as Ken said, do as Ken says, go there and create your account before then so you can play around with it a bit. Um, And by the way, as I mentioned last week, and as I will keep mentioning each week until uh, I mention it no more, we have a fundraiser that we have teamed up with the Pop Culture Hero Coalition. Uh, Chase Masterson, as many of you know, is uh, the, the founder and creator of that. She is an activist, social activist, particularly dedicated to stopping childhood bullying. So as part of the Pop Culture Hero Coalition, our friend Scott Palm has been doing some magnificent work reaching out to school kids who have disabilities and not only helping to uh, uh, work those kids through issues of self-worth, self-identity, but also their peers to talk to them about issues like diversity and acceptance. And um, I cannot speak more highly of what the two of them do. This fundraiser, which is at GoFundMe, you can find the link on our website, uh, I'm sorry, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash missionlogpod. You can also find it pinned to the top of the page on our Twitter account, twitter.com slash missionlogpod. Every dollar counts, and I really mean that because the Roddenberry Foundation has been kind enough to match dollar for dollar everything that we raise. Now, the money that we raise will go toward equipment, I will go toward uh, Scott himself and Scott's assistant so they can get this program out into more and more schools. Um, please go follow the link. You will see much more about Scott. You'll see a video from Scott. And I encourage you to give whatever you can. And uh, yes, I will keep talking about it here on the show because I want everybody who is a viewer or listener of Mission Log to go check that out and the very fine work that they do from Pop Culture Hero Coalition. And if you want to, if you want a reminder of the kind of work that they're doing, by the way, we actually had both Chase and Scott on the show sometime last year. I, I wish I had thought before the show to check when that was. But if you look back through our back catalog for Mission Log Live, uh, you should be able to find that. And they talk a lot about, um, talk a lot about the kind of work that they're doing. So, I mean, John just did a great job of saying, here's the kind of thing they do. But if you want a bit more in depth, a bit more background on that, uh, scroll back through past episodes of Mission Log Live and look for the one with Chase. Masterson and Scott Palm, and uh, and yes, you know, be informed, and hopefully you can uh, kick in a bit as well. Hey, there's another thing that we do uh, every week, John. I mean, to say it's coming up is is absolutely true, at least as long as Discovery is on, and that is uh, that is we do the poll, which yes. you know sounds dirtier and dirtier every time we say it. But it's not. We're going to do the poll. Well, I know we're going to do the poll. By the way, uh, Chris says in here he he wants to see uh, a spaceship battle between John's little ships and Ken's tiny fleet. Why is he like? Why is he bashing my fleet? I I don't know, Matt. He's just saying you got a tiny fleet. Well, okay, fine. There's actually a box of ships in the other room though that he doesn't even know about. So whatever, man. Okay, I'll 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 stack them up. Here's the thing. (laughs) 
has Star Trek come to this where, where your Starfleet ships have to fight my Starfleet ships? Can't our Starfleet ships get along, John? I'm asking. That, man, that's a good, good question. Yeah. Thank you very much. Not calling out um, whoever you said it was who said that thing. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, sir. And uh, no, our ships aren't going to fight. They're, gonna, they're join, going to join together in a sense of unity and uh, wipe out the Klingons. Uh, the poll last week, um, do you think you know who the Red Angel is? I got to say, John, I'm, I'm now questioning my answer on this. I, think I, know, I know I had said that I think I know who it is, and I still pretty much think I know who it is. Mm-hmm. And my answer on who I think it is has not changed. But uh, but I am starting to waver a tiny bit, which is, of course, how they get you, right? They make you think, okay, yeah. you think you know who it is? What about this? What about this? Oh, you were right the first time. You shouldn't have changed your bet. Uh, interestingly, most people do not think they know who it is. 26% of people who polled or who uh, participated in the poll said that they think they know who the Red Angel is. 74% said no. They do not think they know who the Red Angel is. That was last week's question. That poll is now closed just in time for a new one to open. What's that, John? Well, uh, by the way, uh, before we get to that new poll, uh, uh, Thomas says the Red Angel is Bob Newhart. Yeah, we did that last week. Didn't we? Yeah. They, they were going to wake up in bed with uh, the Susan Bush. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would have been that so, great. Uh, that or in the shower with Bobby Ewing. One or right. the other. Exactly. Yeah. Now, this week, because we revisit Talos 4, we asked you, it's a little bit of a change in the makeup on those guys. Talosians. Giant eyebrows or giant noses? Well, we have our own Earl Green to thank for that question. And uh, overwhelmingly, I'm surprised, giant eyebrows uh, for the win, 68%, 32% for giant noses. Um, I myself, I'm good with either. Uh, I think they both look fantastic. Um, but yeah, uh, giant eyebrows are, are sweeping this poll. I was, uh, I was glad to see the uh, pulsing veins in their head still. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we had to have that. Yeah. But well, I thought the makeup with the, the silicone, it, it had this sort of translucent quality. It was really cool. They, they yeah. really good. And I was just glad, glad to see crazy cool medallions. If I didn't have medallions on my Tolosians, I don't know what I'd do. You're going to go with crazy cool medallions, not funky cool medallions, really? Well, I think crazy cool medallions is the way they phrase it on the Barry Gibb talk show. Oh, okay. Because I was hearing a funky cool Medina kind of thing going on there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah except I'm for, going for Barry Gibb. But, uh, hey, well, we've arrived at the point in the show. <laughs> That's my transition. Uh, Ken, where I'm going to ask you to regale us with a recap of this week's episode, if memory serves. Uh, Ken, would you do the honors, please? Section 31 is still hunting for Spock and Burnham with the assistance of higher ups in Starfleet. Giorgio has suggested keeping Discovery out of the search. They'll have Pike and crew look for remnants of the future probe that they destroyed when things went wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. But keep an ear on the disco. If Burnham tries to contact anyone, it'll be Pike. Later, Tyler finds out that Pike's secretly looking for Spock and Burnham anyway. He warns Pike against that. Looking will just shine a light on Burnham and Spock. Trust Michael to find a way to them. On their shuttle, Spock's as incoherent as last week. He snaps out of it when they hit Talos 4, or where Talos 4 should be. When they arrive, there's no planet, just a black hole. Burnham tries to change course, but Spock overpowers her and heads them into the black hole, which is, of course, not there. It was an illusion. Welcome to Talos 4. On the surface, Burnham encounters the usual plants that make noise when you don't touch them and a bunch of rocks. Looking back at the shuttle, she sees Vina. When Burnham goes back and questions her, Vina says the magic words, Christopher Pike. 
She gives a lot of her backstory, though not the part where she's not what she looks like now. She's got a message for the, from the Talosians, beamed their underground lair with Spock so they can examine him. Burnham figures that must be why Spock brought them here, so they could help him. Beaming to their underground lair, Burnham's surprised to find Bina. But she, how did she also meet the Talosians? They say Spock's experiencing time as a fluid rather than a linear construct. We've all had those nights. Vulcan logic is not helping in this situation. The Talosians say they can show Burnham what's happening in Spock's head, but there is a price. They want to delve into her mind and see the event that drove a wedge between Burnham and Spock. Burnham says no, but a plaintive look from Spock and words of warning from Vina, whose true form is revealed, changes Burnham's mind. And with that, she's in Spock's mind, hearing how the Red Angel told Spock where she was, letting him save her life. Then there was the other time he saw the Red Angel, the time it showed him the death of every living thing in the galaxy at the hands or tentacles of machines that look like the probe Pike destroyed when things went wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. The mind trip was hard on Burnham. Then she comes, when she comes to, they talk over what the Red Angel has shown Spock. You know, the world's ending. One thing he's learned, the Red Angel is human. Spock wants to make one thing clear, though. He is not here to absolve Burnham of what she did to him. And now it's back into Spock's mind for Burnham. He's in the psych ward where he allegedly killed those people, but he didn't kill anyone. He did break out, but he left everyone alive. Also worth noting, when he left, Section 31 was on its way, probably unrelated to the reported deaths. Hey, let's check in on something else. Culber is really, really not doing well. He's angry and 100% disturbed seeing Tyler, the guy who killed him, walking around the Discovery. Later, Stamets has prepared a lovely dinner for Culber and himself, and Culber is angry at Stamets, at everyone. Nothing is normal. It's all disconnected. He storms out and into the galley where Tyler is sitting alone. Alone, that is, until Culber challenges him to a fight. When Tyler refuses, Culber starts beating on him anyway. Tyler defends himself, though it ends in a draw with Culber saying he doesn't know who he is anymore. A sentiment Tyler knows well. Saru gets an earful on the fight from Pike, by the way. Saru was there when the fight happened. He's not in trouble, but yeah, don't let anything like that happen again. Later, Culber breaks up with Stamets. He tells Paul to just move forward and let him do the same. After gently dressing down Saru, Pike goes to his ready room where he sees Vina. He's missed her. She's missed him. And kind of many ways she's not really here. The Talosians are projecting her as a message. Hey, hold on. Burnham wants to talk to you. She tells Pike where they are and fills him in on the run-in with Section 31 and the fact that Spock didn't murder anybody. Wait, Spock wants to say hello. And can you swing by Talos 4 and give me and my sister a ride home? And with that, the signal is lost. They need to get to Talos 4 as soon as possible. Call in Stamets in the spore drive. But when they try to make the jump, sabotage. Oh, yeah, there's been a sabotage subplot. Someone sending out unauthorized subspace messages. When the ship can't make the jump, Tyler wants to know what the heck's going on. Everybody but Tyler thinks that what's going on is that Tyler's been sending secret subspace messages and he's sabotaged the ship. 
Maybe somebody's messing with his mind again. Pike has Tyler confined to quarters. They've still got to get to Talos 4, though, and they start at maximum warp. The stated destination is Starbase 11, but they'll change course last minute and head to the Talosians. On Talos 4, Burnham and Spock are getting ready to go. There's just the matter of payment. The Talosians want to see the defining moment in Spock's life. When Burnham ran away, trying to save the family, Spock wanted to come with her. Basically, young Burnham pulled a Harry and the Hendersons on young Spock, telling him she doesn't want him with her, saying the human part of him will never amount to anything, calling him a freak, and eventually calling him a weird little half-breed. Adult Spock says he knows why she did what she did, but that apparently doesn't make things okay. Coming in hot, Discovery, with Section 31 in pursuit. Leland orders Pike to drop out of warp. Pike says no. Then he does, because actually they're already at Talos 4. Both 31 and Discovery get a lock on Burnham and Spock, and it's a standoff. Leland tells Pike to release his transport, or Burnham and Spock will be killed. In his mind, Vina appears, telling Pike to let them go. Let them all go. And Pike does, ordering Discovery's transporter to release. Section 31 beams them aboard and is away. Of course, it's a trick. With 31 gone, Burnham and Spock come up from the surface in a shuttle. The ones on the 31 ship were illusions. It's a warm reunion between Spock and Pike. Now, what say we all go save all life in the galaxy? Oh, and Discovery's a fugitive ship now. So that'll make things easy. The end. Well done, Ken. So much plot. So much much plot. plot. So much plot. Yeah. And and it was all like all weaved through. So I had to break it up a little bit. Sorry. Right. Uh, So, you know what? We have people who are standing by ready to talk to us. I don't want to wait anymore for that. I don't want them to wait anymore for that. So first in line, we have Rhea, who has been so patient. Uh, Rhea, who I just heard from on Facebook today saying, hey, I've been watching. I've been listening. I'm caught up and now I'm ready to call in. So, Rhea, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, and thanks, both of you, for ruining my life. Because I discovered Newton Log, oh, gosh, a couple years ago. And I'm um, I'm caught up to, like, mid-2016 with you guys now, post-SPLV. Uh, but wow. I finally got caught up in Mission Log Live. That's so, amazing. Anyway, uh, well, well done with Mission Log. Not the first time either of us have heard that we've ruined somebody's life. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, well, uh, well, well done there. <laughs> yeah, so, well, because of you guys, I found all these other podcasts, and now I, I never even heard of Discovery until after the first season. And now I'm all, yeah, I bought tickets to STLV. Like I said, you've, you've ruined my life. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, we will see you at STLV. That's very exciting. Uh, for for a Star Trek convention ever? Ever. Wow. Ever. Wow. Yeah. I'm so jealous. So That's so cool. Yeah, if I need to dress up or anything, someone let me know. I'm thinking of going as the real Vina, not this newly recast, you know, that I didn't like. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the beauty well, is... Of all, wait. Okay, no, go ahead. Any, gonna... Vina, any Vina you want to be. Anybody can be any Vina they want to be. That's yeah. true. And no, you don't have to dress up, but it can be fun. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know if all the green paint would last a whole day, but we'll figure that out. <laughs> right. All right. So, uh, Rhea, what is on your mind tonight? Questions, comments about this week's episode? 
Well, I'm a lifelong TOS fan. Lifelong. I mean, it, it, like I said, you guys ruined my life. It wasn't until you guys that I started watching any of the other series. Watched Next Gen and fell in love. Watched Deep Space Nine, fell in love. I'm almost wow. through Voyager. I'm loving Discovery so far. Uh, but the intro this week, I mean, I had to pick my jaw up off the ground and mop up the puddle afterwards because I was just... <laughs> <laughs> A whole range of emotions. I didn't know at first. I thought, is this some, you know, cheap fan service? But when they cut from pike to pike, I was just, That's, I thought it was such a nice, uh, nice yeah. bone to throw to us some TOS fans. So that that's what sold it for me was that match cut uh, from yeah. old pike to new pike, and and also that they launched into that uh, montage without any sort of special explanation. It, it was mm-hmm. as if that had happened a week ago and just said previously on yeah. Star Trek, Star Trek, boom, here's what you need to know to get caught up with where Pike is now and mm-hmm. what his backstory is for now. I thought that it, it could have been done a, a million other ways. And I think they picked the right way to do it. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, and I've heard right. some theater online saying, "Oh, they should have recast it and shot it with the current characters." But um, I think with the way they did it, it acknowledged, yes, fifty plus years ago, we had different actors playing these mm-hmm. roles. We had different technology, and it, you know, instead of like pretending that um, things look different now than they did fifty some years ago, the way they did it, I think it's like, yes, we acknowledge this. Um, this yeah. is just how it is, and yeah, I think I, I agree that they did it the right way. I'm surprised that somebody would have suggested doing a reshoot that that patently sounds very offensive <laughs> very, yeah. you know, to the, to the actor, to everybody who created that in 1964. That sounds mm-hmm. very offensive to them. But what, what I love is that you got to honor what came before and and still tie it into to the reality of look it's it's 50 nearly 55 years later tie it to the reality mm-hmm. of production for that but just say thematically just with what's going on emotionally with the characters here's the connection you know so come along this ride with us to tell this part of the story um Absolutely. So i i thought I, I thought that worked for me ken uh how about for you why, why are you gonna ask me <laughs> well I, i'm curious I, I I am I, I had no problem with them changing the look of the Klingons because it's a new series and so you're going to change the look of the Klingons that's fine except then they said well no there's a reason the Klingons look different we're not just changing the look and so then when you get to Talos four and the Talosians look different why do the Talosians look different is there a reason for that I mean that's it's it's fine it's what they did that's fine and I don't I'm not normally that guy I'm I I'm fine with every different iteration of the Enterprise I'm fine with every different look that the Klingons have had all the way through you want to change the look of something that's great but if you're going to try to tell people that the reason you're changing the look has something to do with the plot and then the next time there's something that you're supposed to recreate and you don't recreate it but you're not going to say that the look has any difference I mean honestly I just kind of feel lied to so that's me and that's why I was being quiet <laughs> because I don't want to be, I don't want to be a naysayer on somebody else that somebody, you know, somebody else likes or enjoys. I honestly did. I did debate whether they shouldn't have. And look, I love Jeffrey Hunter. I hate that we didn't get to see Jeffrey Hunter as a captain of the enterprise for more than one episode. But part of me kind of wonders if they should have put, um, if they should have put, uh, uh, Anson Mount in there. Just, just, yeah, no, you're wrong. 
I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, well, that's fine. I, I, a lot of other people apparently decided I was as well. And that's, you know, nobody asked me anyway. So except for John, when I was trying to be quiet about it. Well, but the point of our show is to have this talk, to have this discussion. I mean, yeah. look, I, we'll probably get through, obviously, a lot more of this. We still have uh, 36 minutes of show to do tonight with everybody. Um, and I found myself with very mixed feelings on this episode, particularly coming out of last week's live show, where we speculated a little bit about what we were going to get. The more I watch the episode, I've actually watched this one more than I've watched any episode of Discovery before doing a live show, um, the more I watched it, the things that I didn't like, I still didn't like. But the things that I did like, I, I really loved. And I, I feel like I was able to forgive uh, at least a few things that uh, didn't rub me the right way the first time. Or, um, we can still certainly debate whether or not it was necessary. And Ken, I thought you brought up a really good point last week, which was to say, well, look, if the Chelosians are just there as deus ex machina, to poke around in Spock's brain, then is it really necessary to go to that length just to sort of have the writers wave their hands and say, look, it's Star Trek, it's canon, because here are Tolosians. Um That's a perfectly good argument to have. Um, at, at a certain point, though, I, I, I kind of forgave that, and I'm trying to figure out why precisely, but I did. It looked great. I mean, that might be one reason to forgive it. And honestly, look, if, if it's going to sound like I'm I'm bashing the whole thing, I'm not. I'll tell you what honestly amazed me, and I'm curious if Rhea felt the same way. Um, I this has never been Pike until this season. This has never been Spock until two episodes ago, and yet I felt an emotional connection when Spike uh, Spike. I, let's just ship him. Let's just ship him. Let's call him Spike. Spike. Um, <laughs> when uh, when uh, when Pike and Spock got together, I really felt that moment. I thought that was really well done, really well put together, and that might be why you're willing to forgive that. I don't know. Uh, forgive being the term that you used, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, we can we can debate more about about whether or not the televisions were well used. I suppose if you want to. What did you make though, of Rhea, Rhea? What did you make of uh, of that uh, of that Pike and that Spock getting together? Was there that an emotional pull for you? Well, yeah, I really I really liked it. Hang on, I got it. There we go. I'm getting double audio here. Uh-huh. Um, well, first of all, I say Anson Mount is blowing me away, and I mean we were what five episodes into having him, period, at all, and it was he's already on, you know top captains of all time list. I mean, he's just been amazing. Um, his reaction when he saw Vina, he did a Captain Kirk falling out of the chair kind of thing. Um, sold, even though, like I said, I really, really, really did not like the new Vina, um, but it really sold it. I mean, I think um, this episode uh, gives so much more credence to Spock's actions in the menagerie. Like it really um, gives a lot of depth to that. Um, having kind of this experience in between the cage and the menagerie. But, um, yeah, you can see, I think Ethan Peck, what we've seen so far is, is great as Spock as well. Um, yeah, you could see kind of the, the bond that the two of them have, even the way that Pike has talked about Spock in this point in the season. You know, there's a bond, there's affection there, there's a, there's a close relationship there. So I, I, so far so good. I really love it. I have to say, and and it's not to uh, slight any of the fantastic actors who have filled those shoes, but I think Ethan Peck is my second favorite Spock. Now um, he's he's great. He's he's got a gravitas. <laughs> he's got a presence. I think he, he's really wonderful. And I, I want to talk about and again. It might be a thing we come back to again, but I want to talk about that uh, Pike and Vina scene. 
every time I watched that, uh, I really felt it. It, it seems so genuine, so heartfelt, and it delivered something that Star Trek did not deliver in the, what, 30 years of, uh, of TOS stories that we got, well, 25 years, uh, from, from the first time that we met Kirk up until the end of, uh, uh, the undiscovered country, uh, debate whether or not you want to follow the Kirk story into generations. But it delivered something that Ken and I talked about a lot on Mission Log, which was every time the Kirk left a planet and <laughs> behind, left behind some poor soul who needed to get out of there. Uh, Shana from Games of Triskelion. Oh, my heart still breaks for you. Um, you know, we just sort of got to move along to the next week's episode and there was no emotional repercussion from that. And what we got out of that one scene, that one moment was the, the reality of a decision. And, um, there was no really right answer at the end of the cage. You know, it was a decision that she made to stay behind. It was a decision that Pike had to make to leave. Um, but but there there were real emotions at stake there, and I love that we got to revisit that here a couple of years later, three years later, to see what that did to them, and particularly what that did to her. I agree with that 100%. I have to ask real quick, John, he's your second favorite Spock. Your first favorite, that'd be Vladia Potenza from Star Trek Three, right? <laughs> Played like 12-year-old Spock? Yeah, well, duh. Duh. <laughs> okay, just making sure we're on the same page here. Yeah, and then right after Ethan Peck, uh, Aaron Harvey will be able to uh, pull this name right off the top of his head, but the voice of eight-year-old Spock in the episode yesteryear from the animated series, he's he, uh, he, he would be yeah he would be number four be third third okay oh that's right, right. Yeah, yeah 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 third so and you know what? we're working our way down the list yeah this kid playing little Spock in Discovery he was amazing today. And that he's scene like, in the, the flashback the And the kid from yesteryear is drawn. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that scene um, in this episode with um, when they, on Talos, when they relived, you know, the, the big incident with Burnham and Spock, um, and you had the four, the two adults and the two kids. And I thought that whole scene was phenomenal and the cuts back and forth. But that little yeah. Spock and the, the, the hurt and the anguish on his face, he was pretty amazing too. Did uh, somebody ask both of you this, uh, Rhea and Ken? Because Ken, you you called it the Harry and the Hendersons moment mm-hmm. <laughs> in the in your recap. Um, was that too much? Was it too little? We were expecting the thing that that is the moment between Spock and Burnham. Um, I, I'm curious your your thoughts on that because they had to come up with something. They, they they had to show us the audience something to drive mm-hmm. home whatever this wedge was between them. Uh, how, how did you feel about it? Well, our you know expectations, of course, were through the roof. I think there's no way that they could live up to. There's no incident that could be as mind blowing phenomenal as what everyone's expectations probably were. But um, it was something, I guess, simple. I mean, it was you know very harsh words that cut little Spock to the bone. Um, But I think what really sold it was just the way they did it. And um, kind of that symbolism there of having reliving the memory with the the children, but then, and I don't know all the technical, you know, cinematic terms, but cutting the adult actors in and out. 
and how those those wounds from childhood live on into adulthood and how both of them, Michael and Spock, as adults are both affected by this incident that happened when they were children. But um, I think they did it. I think they probably delivered it the best way that they could. Um, and, you know, I'm not one of those. I don't watch dramas or, you know, the whole family drama stuff at times in season two has kind of lost my interest a little. But I really think that they um, handled, you know, the big reveal uh, probably in the best way they could. I really liked how they delivered that. It wasn't too sappy and it wasn't overkill, but it was something that could have happened to any one of us as children or something that we could have done to someone else at some point. Um, so it was very real and very relatable. And just, again, those words that just cut little Spock to the bone. Yeah, it was it was incredibly well executed, I think. Um, we can... And I would imagine that we will, John, um, uh, d- uh, debate whether or not, I mean, how we feel about that. And that might be like an end of the season thing. I don't know. Um, yeah. But just, I mean, if that's the scene you're going to do, that scene was incredibly well executed. Um, even the cutting back and forth. I mean, first of all, I don't know that we've ever talked about it, but the kid that they got to play young Michael Burnham um, nails the Burnham character, I think um, she looks like her. She sounds like her. Uh, she is. She's a good actress. She hasn't been asked to do a whole lot to this point, but she's a good actress when when she is asked to deliver. Then, yeah, yeah cute little Spock is really cute. <laughs> he, he works. Um, but then cutting them in with the older versions, as we said, uh, does, did work uh, really well as well. Um, and then, you know, maybe someday we'll talk about whether the scene, like how we feel about the scene itself. Hey, Rhea, we have a few other people lined up. Is there is there anything else or can we can we ask you to call back, you know, next week, week after that and, uh, and check in again? Yeah. yeah, if I can stay up this late, I will call back. But I just realized what the heck kind of mess I've got going on behind the camera. So don't worry about yeah, it. All right. <laughs> Rhea, you well, rock. Thank, thank you, you so much. We'll see you. Yeah, thank you very much for calling in, and we'll see you in Vegas, if not sooner. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call, I think. 669-900-6833. Or if you'd like to do the video thing, uh, the video thing is fun to do. Rhea just did, and so can you. Either clicking the one tap on your smartphone or going to our Facebook page and clicking on the, uh, the thing that's happening there. Uh, Egan. Egan is joining us this evening from Parts Unknown. <laughs> hey, San Jose, hey. California. Where? Oh, San Jose, California. San Jose, California. Very, very cool. How's it going tonight? Really well. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I have way too many podcasts that feature Mr. Uh, Mr. Ken Ray. Really? <laughs> <laughs> there can never be two. Can there ever really... So yeah, I know. You're probably not the first person to say that, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me. I think I actually say there are too many podcasts that feature Ken Ray. What's on your mind tonight, sir? Oh my goodness! I just, uh, which is you know, uh, I've been listening to you guys uh, on um, you know delayed uh, recorded podcast uh, in the car for for well years, and finally I was like, I, I want to see what all the all the fuss is about here on video. And uh, as I was waiting in the uh, in the waiting room there, I just I got a little jealous that the background that I have uh, is nowhere near as cool. So I had to run over to my couch and <laughs> nice. grab my Spock pillow uh, just so I could feel, you know, just a, a little bit like I had a decent background there for at least a moment. It's just a um, little more festive, just to, yeah. to, to match the festive feeling of yeah, our, absolutely, our show. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, I was going to mention um, how great the 
like the cinematic level of Star Trek, I mean, through the years, you know, has always on television has always been uh, amazing. But uh, this particular year, and I thought this particular uh, episode, I'm looking towards my television, um, this particular uh, episode, I just thought got even more cinematic and and bigger. It felt bigger and larger than itself. Uh, and so I actually looked up the director. I was expecting to see like a giant big name director that I would recognize or something, but it's definitely somebody that's you know, just been around uh, uh, television a lot. Uh, T.J. Scott, uh, former uh, stunt person, um, turned uh, writer, producer, uh, actor. And uh, I was just amazed at this episode and how the, the quality of it. Uh, and again, like the bar just keeps keeps raising on this show and uh it's, it's just amazing having so much fun watching uh discovery i i felt like whatever decisions they made to uh just to kind of amp up what we got out of being on talos four so even when we got there the planet didn't look quite like other planets that we've seen in star trek sure. it just sort of like a like an amped up version of what we got in the cage that kind of gray streaky you know and then when she uh when uh, uh burnham lands the shuttle oh. there you just sort of you know this is barren rock quarry thing which again we got barren rocks on the the pilot in the cage but in this it was just sort of like that but but amped up, just cranked yeah. up a little bit. Even the flowers, and I love this. Oh my god, the flowers! That little touch of you know that sound, the the song yeah. that the that the flowers make, and right. uh, I love that Burnham walked up, grabbed <laughs> one for just a moment. The song stops. Right, she lets yeah. go. It it had me right back, you know, to uh, to that original episode uh, instantaneously. I think she my only reaction, she gave a reaction. She didn't give the big goofy Spock smile. Thank goodness. Right. We had a little reaction there. It was, yeah. it was nice. Yeah. I will say though, I mean, based on how uh, TOS was training people back in the day, we're lucky she didn't eat it. Yeah, I know. It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it could be, I, I did honestly wonder. So she's a xenobiologist, right? Should she really be touching that without gloves? I'm not, not yeah, to, you know, it's just could, all, at all times. Absolutely. Yeah, it could be dangerous. I'm just saying it could be dangerous, especially because when it stops singing, do all the other plants come running to find out what happened? And then it's curtains for burning. You know, when I go out and work on the car in the garage, I have my gloves on. There you go. I'm on a distant planet. Right. Exactly. So imagine now it's some car you've never seen before. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. This is on your mind tonight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you know, uh, uh, just uh, just so great to, to have a few moments with you here today. Uh, I love the show. I've been, like I said, uh, watching. It's not listening, listening uh, for a very long time. So excited just to be here with you. I'll, I'll definitely call again in the future for sure. Please do. Please do. It's great yeah. to talk to you and have a, have a lovely uh, time in San Jose. I don't know why I wanted to say something about San Jose. It's cool. I'm, I'm halfway. I'm halfway. I'm halfway thinking of coming and hanging out at WWDC, by the way. I won't have tickets. I won't be in. But I might just be hanging out outside. So if you see some guy saying, we'll podcast for food, you know, while I'm up there. Well, I'll be there then, for sure. Oh, fantastic. Excellent. Nice. It's nice. as well. All right, man. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Take care, Egan. Thanks for calling Thank in. Have a good one. Hey, I can said it before, so I'll say it again. 669-900-6833. And then you type in that meeting code and then boom, you're on with us. Or if you want to see us and you want us to see you, use the Zoom meeting link. You click that and you will be connected to us. Lickety split by our very own technical director, Earl, who is standing by for your call. Hey, Ken, should we go ahead and go to our uh, next caller who is patiently standing by? 
Oh, I think we should. Uh, all corners represented. We had uh, we had video and we had video. And now I got a phone call. Somebody nice. calling in. Somebody calling in on what the uh, what the kids call the phone. Ooh, nice. And I believe yeah. it's Karen who's on that phone. Karen, how are you tonight? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Doing wonderfully. Thank you for calling us. Yes, I know. I'm not brave enough to video in yet. <laughs> yeah. that's, we, that's, we, uh, we barely are. So. <laughs> What's on your mind? I just tonight? go old, yeah. old style. You know, I kind of wanted to revisit the the reveal scene again, mm-hmm. um, because I thought I knew that's what it was going to be. I mean, really, we all kind of guessed that's probably what the incident was going to contain, and so I expected to be underwhelmed, but it was actually overwhelming. It was so emotional, and it was so well done. And I not only did the the little recap at the beginning, I feel like tie this back so well. And the Vena Pike moments really enriched the cage and the menagerie. Uh, but I thought that the reveal tied, it kind of enriched, which is to my mind, kind of a medium level TOS episode, but it really enriched this side of paradise because I feel like they took the scene where Kirk is trying to provoke Spock into a rage and extrapolated backwards to this incident because he uses that language of the circus. You belong in the circus next to the dog faced boy. And she calls him a freak, you know, little Spock. She calls him, I don't want a freak like you for a brother. You know, we all are circus freaks and, uh, you know, and the whole half breed thing. And I just feel like it tied that in as well further further down i mean it was just all enveloping of they said what could really because he was very blissful in that episode i mean he was emotional but it was all kind of mostly on a bliss level and he was trying to kind of joke his way through that until kirk got further into the you know his parents and then the circus freak language so i thought it really it, you know, enriched everything. Kept enriching each other throughout that. What did you? What do you think about that? Wow, I, that that's a great call. I mean, I uh, I, I didn't. Of course, we have, Ken and I have talked at length about this side of paradise. Uh, it is still an episode that the name comes up, and you can't see him right now. But Ken is physically twitching in his chair as soon as uh, <laughs> the name of the episode. Um, yeah, when she called him a, a weird little half breed, I, I thought, yeah, th- these are the kinds of things that over time we've heard said about Spock, but tying it directly to that episode, uh, is great. And it, it definitely drives home the, uh, the emotional impact and the, the emotional turmoil going inside, going on inside of, uh, of little Spock. Uh, and by the way, not not to shift gears too, too much, because I, I want to hear Ken's take on this as well. Uh, there was another reference that uh, that kind of really stood out to me. And it's at the very end where uh, Disco is now a ship on the run and Pike starts to say, look, you don't have to do this. And everybody is, hey, we're we're right here with you. Reminded me of Star Trek three and, uh-huh. and and in Star Trek three. That's a great moment. For some reason in this, emotionally, it felt even more real. And I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I had seen the moment in Star Trek Three so often. Um, or maybe because I was so familiar with that cast. But it, it felt really right 
the way it was delivered in this episode. And it immediately took me back to that moment in Star Trek three. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ken, any, uh, any thoughts, any other references that, uh, that jumped out at you in this? No, no, pretty much to say the same thing I said before. I mean, it was really well done. That's about it. I mean, it was, it was incredibly well acted. Um, what's amazing is that term when she called, when she called Spock, uh, half breed, that's, that's about as hurtful and hateful as, as, uh, I mean, it was because it was so well written and because it was so well done and maybe because we care about mm-hmm. Spock because we've had Spock for 50 some odd years now. Um, that was just incredibly painful. I mean, it, it's like I say, it was, it was, if that's a scene you're going to write, they wrote it well. They, uh, the performance, they just nailed it. I mean, it's, it's, it was as well delivered as it could possibly be. It's funny. Uh, Carlos says, and Sarek brought Michael to the house. What happened after that? <laughs> so, so brought him back. You mean brought her back? Well, you no, said, I mean, Sarek is the one responsible for bringing Michael to the house in the first place. And right. then, and trying to bring her back, and you know, no, no See, wonder. Spock, thing was, so th- wedge. That's that's the night, well, though, right? That 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 Burnham ran away. Like like Burnham is right. leaving. Spock's like, yeah, I want to stay, or I, I want to go with you, and she's like, No, you can't. She says the most hurtful thing ever. And then that night, the Red Angel appears to him and says, Hey, this is happening. I mean, why didn't Spock just go? Fine. <laughs> Right. I'm not well, saying because he have, still, I mean, because you because that's not how it works, especially with a little kid. Right. That you're going to cut them off forever. You well, know, he still has feelings. It's probably more of something that developed the more he thought about it. See that they see that. And that part to me, this is the part where Spock knows logically that Burnham was trying to save him. But Spock has decided that he's going to keep her at arms like that anyway. Do you see what I mean? I mean, it's, well, it, it, it got a yeah. little, it got a little, it, that's the one part of the scene that it was tough for me. Like, when did this happen and why did it happen the way that it did? I'm sorry. I don't know. I, I, I just know that, like, for instance, my sister once said something to me that to hurts me to this day mm-hmm. that, you know, it's like, it makes me feel certain feelings about, you know, and was not anywhere near as hurtful as this. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just kind of feel like, are you cool? He may have begun to here's what I'm saying though. Are you, are, are you like, for the most part, and forgive me, this is not, I feel like Fraser Crane at this point. Are you cool with your sister at this point? <laughs> or is that like, is that the thing that like makes you who you are today? Do you see well, what like I mean? You said, it was not near as defining a yeah. moment by any means, but it was a pretty, I don't know. I just feel like that that isn't, for me, that is certainly not an issue because he, you know, Clearly, more time is involved in solidifying how he decides to handle this and handle his emotions over this incident. Right. You know, it just didn't happen that night when he went to bed, you know, so (laughs) that's a good point. I clearly can can see him. Can I go back to the sure. part really quickly where it was incredibly well done? It was incredibly well acted. <laughs> I mean, it really it, it was, was. It was a uh, it was a it was a good scene. It was a good pivotal moment of this episode, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was amazingly acted. I thought on all parties, and the cutting between the adults and the children is what I think really made it. Even their language as adults, they sounded like they were speaking like children, hmm. and. It just really worked for me. Yeah, I mean, the other th- point, oh, go ahead, Karen. 
No, 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 no. I, I would say at a certain point, I, I kind of asked myself if, if whatever the moment was, whatever the, the insult or the division between the two, whatever that was on a technical level, it didn't really matter. You know, I, I know uh-huh. people to this day who, uh, as adults, you know, they, they are reminded of, they are partially defined by that thing that happened to them. 25 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, you know, we can all remember things that happened in our childhood like they happened yesterday. And in the greater scheme of things, they may not have that much importance, but the, uh, the, the emotional reality of it sits with you no matter mm-hmm. how you try to logic your way out of it, you know? So there, there was yeah, something and- that, that I, I just sort of, I tried to get beyond whatever what was actually said or what the division actually was and just tell myself, you know, honestly, it doesn't matter because as we keep coming back to the, the emotions played in the scene were so acute and so believable that, um, that they, they sold it. And, and partly that was the technical trick of cutting back and forth between the young and the adult actors. It, it just kept selling that no matter when it happened, no matter what it happened, it was real to them. Therefore, and and we carry it with us. We carry, we carry these family things with us through our whole lives, no matter if they're big or small. Sure, sure, yeah. Karen, I, I can't can't thank you enough. Do you, any other uh, uh, parting thoughts uh, with us? Well, I did want to say I also thought that the chemistry between um, Michael and Spock was very good and very believable. Uh, all, they they worked in little nuances all through it, you know, from the time he is slamming her hands away from, you know, the at the shuttle controls uh, to all of their little niggling squabbles. And even when their illusions are projected onto the Section 31 ship, that little goodbye Spock, say goodbye Spock thing, you know, Talosians are using your memories. And you know, they don't have imagination. That's why they like to look at your memories. And so obviously that was something that they did as kids. Yeah. Right. To some extent, yeah. little jokey things like that, you know, and you, you I know, felt when, that they really sold that relationship. When you say that, it actually makes me wish that we had come up with a, a better poll question, John. Uh, do you think the beard is working? Yeah. <laughs> That was, that, was actually, that was so awesome. The way he touched it, the beard and looked, that was hilarious. Yeah, that was, I mean, because that, that obviously was a, a tent scene, you know, and then and then he's being he's being just as terrible as he can be, and she's being as Michael Burnham as she can be, and then to sort of jab him with that I thought was funny. It sort of, it, it broke the tension of the scene for me. It actually made me laugh the first time oh, I saw it. So. it really, it did. It was very good. Yeah. I really so liked he, them together a lot. If he's still got the beard next week, John, I think that should be the poll question for next week. I think, think you're right. right. We'll, we'll put a yeah. pin in that. So we'll come back to you next week with that question. But yeah, I mean, does overall the humor worked? I mean, it, it, it's always such a fine line. Are you telling jokes or are you just nailing the humor of the moment? And uh, I'd say 100% of the time when they had a humorous moment in this week's episode, it, it was genuine. It wasn't just writing a joke for the sake mm-hmm. of and uh, and yes, they they all did make me laugh. Uh, Karen, thank you so much. Really appreciate you calling in. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, yeah, give us a call back sometime. Yeah. Hey, everybody, oh, again. <laughs> Excellent. 
I've got about eight or nine minutes left. If you would like to give us a call, that'd be fantastic. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Or you can tap the uh, one tap from your smartphone or uh, facebook.com slash mission log pod. And somewhere on there, there's a link and there are codes. And then you can be on video uh, with us as people have been tonight. Hey, speaking of video and tonight... Coming up about a half hour after this show, we want you to stay on Facebook and catch the live recording of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Every Tuesday at 1130 Eastern, 830 Pacific, Elijah, Kenna, and Anthony bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse. It's TV and movie news. It's gaming news. It's literary reviews. It's a ton of stuff. So uh, do go over there, facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast at around 11.30 Eastern, 8.30 Pacific. If you can't stay up that late, uh, do go wherever you get podcasts and get that one. Sign up for Priority One. Uh, the show that they record tonight will drop on Friday, sometime Friday, Friday morning, Friday afternoon. But it comes out once a week and just a bunch more Star Trek stuff. And who doesn't want that in their coffee? So Priority One, tell your friends. Hey, by the way, before we go on our next caller, uh, Cosmo says the beard is not working. Time to shave. For a minute there, I thought he might have been talking to one of us, but then he followed it up and he said John's beard is working. So John's beard is working. Fine. I I assume the the implication is your beard is working, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. um, But yeah, we'll 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 double check. Maybe this is the the poll. Maybe we need a three-way poll next week. Beard beard bros between me and you and, uh, and Spock. And Ethan Peck. Yeah. Or and Spock, whichever. Yeah, yeah whichever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we have Keith standing by on the phone, I believe, or, or maybe on video. Hey, he's on video. All right. Keith, welcome to the show. Oh. I think Keith is muted. Oh, I don't know I think if he Keith is. has himself muted or if we have Keith muted. Uh, Keith is struggling for wires. <laughs> well, we can come back to Keith. We'll, we'll vamp, as it were, until uh, Keith is fully connected. Well, what happens though? Do we just just like just yell out Keith? Well, don't just yell out Keith. Well, don't because, just do that. Then no. <laughs> be kind of yell out Keith for the win. Actually, if you uh, if you get through to us, It'll so was, I mean, about, about those beards. About yeah, those beards. about that. Was there anything else on the uh, on the episode, John, that uh, jumped out at you? Was there oh, anything so in particular? Many, okay, so many things. Tell me so a thing. Many. Uh, let's see. Well, we already talked about the, the things that I like. I actually, I'm fine with the redesign or the, 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 not a redesign, but I'm fine with kind of pumping up the design a bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, standout scenes. I mean, here's the thing. I didn't feel nearly as invested in the, uh, Culber, uh, Stamets, Voke moments just because mm-hmm. I, I think I'm, I'm growing weary of that plot line for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I, I really felt like the the Stamets Culber breakup scene was genuine. It it felt right, even though it's an extraordinary circumstance. Uh, I it, it felt like yeah, uh, Culber just sees himself as a different person now. He can't be forced back into this thing that feels artificial. Uh, so I thought they played it well. I thought the uh, the fight with uh, Ash slash Voke was it was well done. It was a pretty brutal fight in mm-hmm. moment. Um, well shot, well acted. I was a little surprised that Saru was a guy to say, nah, this, this just needs to happen. <laughs> I will say that is a great, I mean, that is a good thing about, so when Saru says, let it happen, that seems like a very television thing to do. But then for Pike afterwards to say, so do you think that would have been what you did before? 
Right. Let's make sure we don't let that happen again. I like the fact that they are remembering that, you know, Saru from last year would not have let that fight go on. He would have gotten between them. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's changed for the better or changed for the worse. It's just acknowledging that he has changed and yeah. they have to go ahead and keep uh, sort of keep an eye on that. Um, toughest line of the entire episode. I mean, tough, like, you know, like, grr, toughest mm-hmm. line for the episode. And I said it in my head the second before, uh, the second before uh, Culver did, uh, when he said, Voke, uh, that's not me. When he said, bring him out, I, I wish I had said it with him because that moment, I knew <laughs> that that was going to be the line. And I was really curious how the fight was going to go at that point. But that was, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, the scenes are well written in this uh, in this episode. There's a lot of there's a lot of really powerful dialogue. I would say a lot of really powerful stuff that happens. Well, and see, and that's kind of the thing. But so we we have the the relationship dramas multiple going on here, and the uh, the Pike and Vina thing. Obviously, we're not going to see Vina again. Uh, you can go watch the Menagerie if you want to see the happy ending to that story. Um, but we're uh, I, I was definitely invested in that. I thought the emotional stuff. With um, uh, with, with Stamets and and Culber work with Culber and Volk slash Ash Tyler work certainly with uh Burnham and Spock, and then you, you said you you just you really bought the uh, Pike and Spock or Spike as you said earlier, and somebody wrote uh somebody it translated into Star Trek though, and they, it was S apostrophe P I K E. Spike. I, I, I guess it would be. Yes. That, was, that would be the proper way to uh, to put it in Star Trekies. Um, but yeah, so all these things are playing out, I think, very well. And with this maturity of the the writing and this maturity of the acting, it's all wonderful. But I find myself getting now. lost in plot lines that I care less about. So <laughs> that that's going to be the trouble for me here. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you on most of what you said. The one thing that sort of uh, bothers me is we tortured uh, Stamets for a full season and a half, mm-hmm. and now we're going to do that some more, which is kind of a drag. I mean, I don't, I didn't want Culber to come on and have everything to be fine, you know, the next day. Test. Test. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on one second, Keith. We got you. Okay. Cool. Um, I don't. I didn't want uh, Culber to come on and everything be fine the next day. At the same time, I don't. I would like I would like for Stamets to have to have had a had a good ending in this whole yeah. thing. And if it meant that they needed to work, if it meant that he needed to be there for him in different ways, if it meant that, you know, Culber was going to have to learn a lot more about who he was and such, because I, I, I hate to keep doing this. I think I know what's going to happen to Culber and I don't think I like it, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. Uh, Keith, you made it on, which is great, but we got about one minute. Tell me what's on your mind. Okay, I just wanted to get this quick note in. I really enjoyed watching this episode from a viewing the cinematography of the episode. The mm. e- extremely different camera angles we saw, especially with the scenes on Discovery. Many times with the camera pretty much looking up from the floor, in some cases making rooms look two to three times bigger than they had before. It's sort of like a tunnel vision view. And so it kind of made it think, maybe think in watching it that it looked like we were viewing the scenes on the, from the Discovery through a lens as if like the Telosians were. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, we had that extreme overhead in the, um, uh, and the turbo lift, uh, with the really long lens and making that room look super high and super narrow as, uh, Culber is on his way to, uh, uh, to deliver Ash a little, uh, a little butt whooping. <laughs> 
Or even like the, the aftermath of the the said butt whooping when you have when you see the drones flying in to clean up the mess and it just makes the mess the mess looks so much bigger. The mess hall looks so much bigger because of the way the camera angle kind of splayed yeah, yeah. out across the floor. It I, there was just a very big sense of we're seeing things differently with this episode, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah gone, gone are the days when you had to like you know uh, we're going to quickly turn the mess hall into the captain's ready room. <laughs> <laughs> Right. We're not on that show anymore. Uh, John, you had a really quick point because we are we're up against it. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we just forgot to point out special guest stars, all the little guys from Batteries Not Included. So, um, <laughs> I was going to say the guys from Phantom Menace, but, you know, uh, kind of the same thing. Hey, I uh, want to let everybody know. First of all, Keith, thank you very much for calling in. Sorry no about problem. the technical trouble. And yeah, we look forward to hearing you hearing from you again. In the meantime, want to let everybody know that Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry, technical production on Mission Log Live by Earl Green. Uh, be sure to check out podcast.roddenberry.com, won't you? You'll find a bunch of great podcasts there, including not just this one, but also Mission Log, Women at Warp, Priority One, and The Trek Files podcast.roddenberry.com If you'd like to help support this show directly, that'd be great. Patreon.com slash mission log is the place to do that. Thanks to everybody who joined us live or later and we'll talk to you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.